Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 232, and today we'll be talking about Craig of the Creek. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So these are this is the, the next set of Steven Universe alumni branching out and making their own series, Matt Burnett and Ben Levin. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't make a wrestling series. No, not a wrestling series, but uh, one of my, you know, uh, almost like a spiritual successor to uh, Hey Arnold, a show that I also held very dearly. So, you know, I'm okay that, you know, we're not seeing more of the wrestling shorts. I'd still love to see them in Steven Universe, but, you know, it's okay. Also, Matt Burnett, my favorite Twitter user, at least in the top three. (laughs) So uh, I continually enjoy noticing what touches of his were in the previous show. And certainly Ben Levin, it's really cool too, contributed to a lot of the music. I think he's a guitarist. And so both really cool guys. Regarding Matt on Twitter, I will say he is the he is my favorite person who I'm following who has ever used D.B. Cooper as his profile picture. That's a, that's a high honor. Oh, yeah. Well, all of his profile pics are pretty hilarious. I loved during maybe the height of season one and season two of Steven Universe. He just had a his disgruntled. <laughs> yeah, that exasperated looking self-portrait. Yeah. Uh, I, I know the just one you're talking about. So perfectly captured him. But the show Recess gets thrown around as something that Craig of the Creek is also uh, quite similar to. Never, never watched Recess myself, so I cannot speak as to the veracity of that. I mean, one difference is that it, it it's still uh, both of them capture about what child's play is like. And that's, so I can see where that connection's stronger than just Hey Arnold, because Hey Arnold's a lot more about seeing a life in the city, whereas Recess is sort of about like that there's this world of kids that's happening that instead of it being inside of school, it's happening purely out on the playground and around the peripheral of school. So similarly, Craig of the Creek is sort of that there is like a regular life happening in homes and in places, but as soon as they go in the creek, fantastical stuff starts to happen and there's whole hierarchies of kids and different groups and, you know, warfare and people from the future. <laughs> so, you know. Yes. And of course, mercantilism. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> I love seeing, uh, what, what was her name? The great... Kit. Uh, yeah, Kit, the entrepreneur who just <laughs> only understands money. You know, I'm glad she's not on the side of evil yet, so. <laughs> but she seems like she could be easily convinced for any profit-making scheme. Yeah, oh, she, she, would, she would just sell chips to both sides. Yeah, probably. I mean, spe- I, I guess speaking of war coming, why don't we just mention that the show has actually kind of teased a bit of an invasion angle for the next season? Am, am, I, am, I, am I watching this right? Yeah, so Craig of the Creek officially has a lore now um, that, you know, we always knew that Craig was drawing his map, and I thought, the map was was interesting enough, but now they've started to bring together pretty much with just under the overpass and Jessica's trial, I guess, sort of bringing out that there's this whole competing or possibly multiple competing groups outside of the creek or at least past the overpass that uh, want to invade. What was the name of the uh, the honeysuckle? The dudes? honeysuckle rangers, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if <laughs> they seem to be a part of an organization that isn't just the honeysuckle rangers. That's identified by some sort of, you know, probably not a tattoo, but a tem- temporary the tattoo, <laughs> right? We don't exactly know what that's all about yet, but um, yeah, kid, kids' kingdoms invading each other is pretty, <laughs> pretty weird. I mean, let's 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 be honest. Who didn't want to do that back when they were a kid? Oh no. I think the whole t- idea of a territory war is just so 
it fits in really well with what The Creek is. Also, when you look at uh, shows like Recess and Hey Arnold, both of those shows kind of dealt with um, their like u- more ultimate stories dealt with uh, like adults coming in and causing a problem. Like in Recess, I'm pretty sure it was just like that they were going to ban Recess. <laughs> and so there was a whole like war of kids versus adults. And similarly in Hey Arnold, one of the first movies they had was uh, something about the city. Like the kids had to petition to save a portion of the city that was going to have you know, some kind of construction on it, like a hotel or whatever. So I like that for this show, it's actually just completely involved with just the kids. Like, adults in this world are fine and nice and normal, and the conflict's purely going to be some fantastical battle in the creek, which, as we've seen in this show, the element of fantasy where the kids all share the same play and uh, same imaginative understanding is going to be awesome <laughs> when there's actually uh, warfare. Because, like, for instance, when they went to that whole the episode that was just about the kingdom, and the house built, and then ultimately they had a robot fight at the end. Like those visuals and just that story they share is um just really funny. So they're gonna have a ton of creative directions to go with this. Also, like understanding more of that symbology gave me that just like very light Gravity Falls vibe. I feel like Craig would really like watching Gravity Falls if oh, I'll <laughs> that bet. was on. So um it's kind of fun to see that again. Now, how awesome would it be if the the bad guys also had some bring out your beast players, and so Bernard had to come help the Creek kids out? Would I wonder if the fact that he's still it would ever got brought up? That would that would be an interesting callback. I mean, there's a lot of things that can kind of come back at these callbacks. When we're talking about like magic and stuff too, I think about like uh, whatever that protecting horse unicorn thing was that the witches alluded to in that one episode. What's that, like, protective mythical creature that they, like, supposedly have on their side? In one episode, they bestowed upon Craig the Empress of Swords to protect him, and then in another episode, Craig earned the favor of the deer goddess. Right, so you never know. I would totally love to see a deer attack a child in the show, so... Um, <laughs> oh, that's brutal. I think it could happen. I mean, you know, these are people who've watched Adventure Time. I think we all know deers are incredibly evil, so... Only if they have hands. <laughs> this deer might have hands so we don't know yet that would be that okay that would be hilarious if they had a, a deer remove its little hooves and, and reveal hands also potentially craig has a vulture on his side or maybe that he can recruit and that vulture is super uh, evil looking no <laughs> I, I i don't i don't know that craig can ever tame the vulture the he can merely convince the vulture to tolerate his presence i don't know maybe the invading force would foolishly invade the uh the barn or the roost the vulture yeah, the vulture's the, the nest, vulture's nest. <laughs> the name of the episode yeah <laughs> but um you know i could see things like that happening when the invading kids don't understand the rules of the world that they're invading so oh that would be so cool but there's more to craig of the creek than deep lore and what might happen in the future there's also the kid from 3030 yeah so <laughs> that episode was very interesting because uh, like i kind of mentioned earlier the fantasy world of the show is always shown to be uh just part of the kids fantasy so like for instance take another episode the takeout mission where uh you know it's just jp kelsey and craig and they as they go to like pick up food at this thai restaurant all these fantastical things happen when they have to cross the street somehow instead of just the cross light coming on you know we see like huge crazy barrier walls and they like you know but we see outside of them like that's clearly in their imagination because we see shots where they like just cross the street or later when they finally have the food on the table ready to be served the uh, kelsey's dad walks in on them 
and, you know, <laughs> sees that they're just like being weird and going like, oh, and making sound effects, you know, but with the with the kid from 3030, Deltron is never shown to be like, not part of that pretend world. Like he straight up disappears in a flash of smoke and lightning at the end. Well, that the, the that could have been embellishment of their imagination. You know, he he just runs off really quick and they imagine the rest of that. Like we don't we don't know. Yeah, but, like, those images of those robots were, like, so cool. Kind of gave me a, almost a Samurai Jack vibe for some reason. Well, the Diltron 3030 is an actual album that that singer did. And, like, there, oh, if, no if you go through the Wikipedia page for the album, you'll you'll notice that there are several references to it in the in the episode. Like, the his... His tape player's name is also a reference, for instance. It's really cool. I didn't actually know that connection. I loved the rapping in the show, and I happened to watch both this and uh, the Vulture's Nest next to each other. And I was like, man, Craig of the Creek is becoming musical. I really loved the the rapping because uh, it was just so well integrated with the visuals. Craig of the Creek has been surprisingly innovative with their visuals because of that imaginary world and just like man the combination of just the so cool so fly rapping and then the just fighting the robots it was just awesome i really want to see more of deltron and also i just really loved like you know craig totally getting into like the surgeries and stuff and oh yeah i'm just like you know apparently he thinks that the assistant to <laughs> doctor is called a scrub so <laughs> you know him calling kelsey a scrub was also very funny uh i i do want to say though uh going from early in the series to under the overpass kelsey has apparently been leveling up as a warrior she's now much better at blocking projectiles yeah that's right i mean she actually blocked the like crayon arrows that were coming at them in under the overpass and the green poncho is no joke no, yeah, as we've seen later, he's definitely a pretty good, pretty has pretty good aim, pretty good shot. But also, you know, she's still learning because she could not crack an acorn um, <laughs> in whatever episode that was where they had to make their own food because of whatever Craig's brother. Yeah, it was dinner at the creek. So, you know, uh, she's she's working on it. But yeah, her aim's been getting better. Also, I really liked, again, <laughs> in the... Uncle Stan. <laughs> I loved learning her... I guess the first time we see her dad, is that in the takeout mission? Oh, I, I don't know which one is the first one, but we see him from time to time. Yeah. I mean, that, like, really gets elaborated in that episode where he's just as dramatic as her. And I think that's just a really cute aspect of the show that he has put that, you know, carried that on with her. And there's also just that tone of, like, there's this kind of undercurrent of sadness, too, where it's because it's like a single parent household where the mom's dad. And so you see him putting in like what can almost be interpreted as like that extra effort as a single parent who's trying to deal with this and trying to still create a fun, you know, world for his daughter. So anyway, <laughs> I think that's cool. That was good building on Kelsey's character too, who's just so dramatic. So of the of the kids other than Craig and his gang, which which would you say is your favorite group? Hmm. I mean, I really like any introduction of older kids because <laughs> I just love seeing the interplay. I thought the the uh, the kids in the Vulture's Nest, even though they they were almost too saccharine with like oh, yeah, how the, accepting the, they were of him. 
The but, band was so ridiculously wholesome. It actually kind of took me out of the episode a little bit. Right. It almost felt like it was like talking directly to the, the kid audience, like with how nice they were being. Like they almost felt like explanatory adults. But also I just found their whole living situation like just hilariously accurate to like a specific experience. Just like, but it, it did feel like they were carrying and it almost felt like a different show. Like the characters were just drawn a little, like almost too... Well, not like mature, but I don't know. They just, they felt like it was almost too much of an infusion of like older kids. I definitely have also just enjoyed, um, I really like, I'll just always call them what Craig would call them, the witches, mostly because yeah. I keep forgetting their names. <laughs> but uh, I, I've enjoyed the two episodes that they were in. And we actually had yeah. a whole episode about that episode before. So go back and listen to that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think picking the witches or the elders would be cheating because they're both so amazing. Well, I like cheating. So, what about you? <laughs> since 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 I don't want to cheat, it's really hard. I don't know. I'm fascinated by the ninja kids, but the horse girls had a really strong episode. Yeah, I, I like how they have the one who's just really so obviously not that into horses anymore. <laughs> kind of makes it sad. I I do love how, however, at the end of J Pony, you know, we we see her in her true horse form. Which is a girl wearing a horse mask. <laughs> uh, God, that reminded me of also JP's true dinosaur form that he <laughs> <laughs> wants to be in. Um, anyway, <laughs> some really funny. Yeah, J-, J Pony was a good episode. Yeah, I uh, I like that. There haven't been a lot of weak episodes, in my opinion, for the show. I think it really nails hitting the right tone and the right stakes every episode i don't know do you have like a weakest episode <laughs> in your opinion weakest weakest episode in my opinion let me look back over the episode list real quick here ultimate judgment incoming i don't know that just look looking over this I, I, my eye immediately is pulled to escape from family dinner oh you didn't like escape from family dinner and burning burning of the stakes the Great Hose. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much that I think it's a bad episode. In fact, I love the I love the water fight that we didn't get to see. It's just I wish we got to see that rather than Craig being stuck at a dinner and generally making a jerk of himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's always kind of lamer to see a character have to do that, <laughs> be a jerk. But yeah, that's that. That's the first one to to really catch my eye. Yeah, I kind of feel like. I just forgot the episode name, but the one where he hangs out with his grandpa. Oh, Monster in the Garden? Yeah, like, you know, we had brought up the deer, and the deer's funny, but otherwise, like, I don't know. (laughs) Episodes like that are, like, cute, but feel so, like, not imaginative enough. Like, because it's only happening in Craig's head that he thinks there's a monster. Whereas, like, we so clearly know it's not. And it's not as exciting as the other adventures he has in the creek. Yeah, it is a very sedate episode compared to the rest, but mm, I mean, we, we could have Wildernessa inspiring Kelsey to free all the dogs and then that not going very well. I like Wildernessa. She's just awesome. Right. Yeah. Well, I just think that idea is hilarious. I love seeing that carried out. She's like, of course, freeing all the dogs would be a great idea. And no, it's not a great idea. Now, I, I wonder if Wildernessa met the Fredites. That would be an interesting fight, because you know that would become a fight, especially if the Fredites picked a new dog to toady to. <laughs> the fact that there's just, like, kids worshipping this dog 
is so funny. <laughs> and the fact that the dude finds it like annoying, but he understands exactly what they're doing. And it's just, why are you guys doing this? Go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really liked Bridget. Underrated villain. I hope she comes back. Oh, which episode was she a part of? That that was that was Dog Decider. She oh. was the leader of the Fredites. Right. What she, I don't remember her being that villainous. Why why well, is she... she she's an overbearing cult leader. I mean, you know, cult leaders can be chill. Maybe not. Bridget Bridget isn't. I mean I mean she wants to destroy a twenty dollar toy and a, a toy that they never have. All because it wasn't binoculars, which is what Fred told him to get. I mean, you know, that's a that's a cultist devotee. I mean, she believes in what the dog says. I mean, if she believes so strongly, then she should buy him the binoculars. Like, isn't that kind of better than other cult leaders though, who are just lying and actually know the truth? I mean, she genuinely believes in what she's leading. You know, go her. Oh well, yeah, I mean, in in Bridget's defense, she is willing to throw down for the cause. <laughs> she she doesn't send others to fight her battles. She she definitely earns the respect of her cult. I just wish we had got to see the epic confrontation between her and Kelsey. <laughs> uh, it could be coming. I guess there's only so much greatness that you can show on television, though. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, Kelsey, we we've seen her have other good confrontations. The episode where she uh uh you know goes on the quest that the big kids give her. And then oh, she ultimately like tries to win that sword. What was the title of that one? Ooh. Kelsey Quest. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I, I thought that was pretty good. You know, we almost have like a real fight <laughs> between her and a big kid. So yeah, Kelsey's credentials as a warrior are unimpeachable. And Bridget was able to have her on the run. So also, can I just say how funny it is? Did you think for like a time that her sword was like a toilet paper roll? And not no, like it was PVC. always obviously it was always obviously PVC pipe. I mean, did you see how long it was and how it can hold water, water <laughs> I, swords? I don't know why I ever thought it just I don't know, because it's like kids, you know, cruddy little <laughs> weapons. It just I thought it was a toilet paper wall for the longest time. It was like a reveal, practically the first time she referenced it as being PVC, which is just funny to me. But um, also coming from like the heritage of like Adventure Time where like swords matter a lot. And then <laughs> coming to like, oh my god, it's PVC. I don't know. Uh, it tickled me. I was tickled by the reveal. But yeah. So we were talking about like characters sort of on both spectrums. But one, I don't think if if there is such a thing as like a, a big fan base of this show, like no one... Do, do people care about Craig's brother? Do people care about eh. Bernard that much? Like as... <laughs> well, where, where I don't get he? the impression that Bernard is particularly popular, but I, again, he just needs an occasion to shine. Like in Bring Out Your Beast, that was perfect. It's like, I don't know how you guys did it, but you made me love Bernard. Right. I mean, that's sort of like a perfect... Uh, I keep saying everything's perfect. A, a, a pretty good representation of like what having an older brother relationship is like, especially with that much of a age gap, you know, like I, I, I just love how they ended this. It's like, you must have been pretty good. No, I was the best. <laughs> right. Like he's still like that, like obnoxious, self-confident brother. But sometimes he like pulls through and is good for Craig. Yeah. But in Bring Out Your Beast, you see that he's earned being so, so smug, so <laughs> full of himself. Right, except he also is still really bad at cooking, <laughs> so, you yeah. know. I mean, nobody's perfect. No, that's true. I do feel, though, that when he's, like, around his girlfriend, it definitely usually makes him look worse because she's so nice. And he always, like, like, has she ever really gotten on to him for the way he's, like, talked to Craig before? I feel like that's sort of, 
is a weird tension every time. I don't remember her ever being used as a proper character. She's like a cardboard cutout. Yeah, she needs more development because she's also just very saccharine. Why but. Why should she have more development, though? I mean, if this show is told from Craig's point of view, how much is a younger brother really going to know about his older brother's girlfriend? Like, I think maybe her being a cardboard cutout is kind of the point because from Craig's perspective, she kind of is. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's kind of... Does this show, thinking about relating it back to Steven Universe... Uh, do we have moments where this show isn't from Craig's perspective? Does this show play by the same rules? I'm trying to think. And I feel like Craig's always there. Have we it, had? Yeah, definitely. If, if it doesn't follow it perfectly, it definitely mostly follows it. I, I can't think of any time that the audience has been really privy to something that Craig wouldn't know and it's important to the episode. Yeah, I wonder how much of a rule that will be for the show. Like, can we have a... Because even when Kelsey went on a quest, Craig was still there, right? So I don't I don't know if we've had adventures that didn't involve... Wait, what? When <laughs> when there's the episode with the weird analogs to Craig's friends, did that episode take place without Craig? I'm trying to remember who was replaced there. There's like the weird shadow versions. <laughs> the, that was... Those were the two people that JP was hanging out with. Right, yeah. So, I mean, there hasn't, it's always been from Kirk's perspective. I wonder how much of a hard and fast rule that will be for, because it definitely limits how much you can develop your third characters or your, you know, third tier characters. And there's just so many in the creek. But I mean, I guess it's been good that it's been from his perspective. I guess. (laughs) I guess it's a writer's choice that's carried forward. Yeah, yeah. Steven Universe, Craig of the Creek. I get it. I get it, you mentioned You mentioned Steven Universe, though, and I was just thinking, you know how we have Little Butler in Craig of the Creek? Oh, I'm very aware <laughs> of Little Butler. We, we need the big pinchy song in Steven Universe, and I know exactly how to get it. How do we get there? So, like, we, we have an episode where Ronaldo makes a, makes a ballad about... Uh, you know, some corrupted gem or another. He he doesn't know about the recently uncorrupted gems that they used to be, you know, these monsters, but he, he writes a song about it and, you know, nobody except the uncorrupted gems hears about it. And like the, the, the crab, crab gem gets all sad that nobody's singing about her. So like she goes off into the woods, you know, scares some campers and whatnot. And Steven, Steven gets Ronaldo to write a song that happens to be the big pinchy song about her so that, so that she's happy. Uh, I just want to hear Ronaldo saying, if you go on adventures like me, Big Pink, she just might pinch a ye. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm behind that, you know. I think that's actually how Steven Universe should return. Right after the movie, uh, just the <laughs> pinchy song with uh, the yes, crab, has crab lady. Big Pinchy, like, we, we can even have, we can even keep the episode title the same. Big Pinchy. So that, obvious crossover. For real, though, if they do have any connection back in steven universe to craig of the creek i'm considering them part of the same universe immediately no no that i don't know the the other crossover i want to see is like a dimension hopping greg universe you know protects the you know kids of the creek from from the bad guys with the power of rock and roll okay actually i really like that i can totally see the craig of the creek writers getting away with just greg just being part of an episode like <laughs> I, I, for some reason, that actually really fits with him just suddenly appearing and being like, just totally playing along with the kids <laughs> in the woods and just totally getting into whatever situation's happening. It's like, I'm a traveling musician. 
I'm I went further from home than I thought I would though. <laughs> Just yeah. have him totally be playing it up. No, I mean I could totally see him integrating in the world. Also, now that I've seen this show do its musical pieces, I want more. You know, Greg has money and he could definitely travel far away and yeah, that could happen. Also, that really has my mind spinning again. If we ever find out that Craig doesn't we don't know like what state he lives in, right? I think we decided it was it was either Maryland or Delaware. Okay, cuz if Delaware exists, then it's not the Steven Universe world because Steven well is what is Delmarva in? Delmarva is a combination of Delaware, Maryland and the Virginian Eastern Shore. Yeah. That probably makes it very unlikely. Somehow I just feel intuitively that Craig's world has the real U.S. states, but that would just be so mind-blowing <laughs> if they were like... I mean, he he draws a full Florida in Monster in the Garden, so... I mean, Florida's contentious anyway in Steven Universe, so... Florida is gone. It's uh... gone! <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I guess I shouldn't take Ronaldo's blog where he actually drew Florida as, um, you know... Ronaldo's Cannon. a crackpot. He's hypothesizing ancient lands that there's no proof of. Yeah. <laughs> I like that as the ultimate ender to the argument over whether Florida exists in a Steven Universe, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Ronaldo thinks it exists, so obviously it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Any any more thoughts about Craigie Boy and his creek? Um, you know, much like... Uh, well, unlike OKKO or Steven Universe, uh, this show's like currently pumping out episodes, right? Like there was just a new one in the past week yeah. or two. Yeah, they're, they're, they've been, they they had a bundle of four and we're still going, I believe. Yeah, so I always have to either praise or, um, you know, brutally complain about the schedule. And so in this case, uh, thumbs up for me for the scheduling. Craig of the Creek just always seems to be kind of running. And uh, thank you, Cartoon Network. Thank you. Yeah episodes every week for a little while i mean i'd rather they be every week for a few months rather than one month but hey I'll take what i can get absolutely anyway guys that's been us on craig of the creek join us next week where we'll be talking about the 25th issue of the steven universe comic book series the first lars of the stars comic book retelling jungle moon from lars and the off colors perspective until then i'm gc13 and i'm david don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. New and improved outro, I like it. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.